0: So welcome back everybody to the Mob Squad Pod. This is episode twenty four presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Uh, this week we're going to be going over that Bucks game, and we're going to be talking a little Forty Nine er preview. Um, this week we got Manny with me. So Manny, what's going on, buddy? How you doing?
1: So Niggy. just uh, um, hope uh, everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I know we're, you know, if we are still here, we're very very grateful for that, right? I mean just one of those times I guess in 2020 but man if you're a Rams fan you were very very grateful and very excited for what happened on Monday night heading into uh Thanksgiving so just one of those things is like I said man just one of those games that you live through it you live it and man you're just excited that you ended up on the other stick that's the that's the whole W right the whole point
0: <laughs> yeah very thankful for the W uh that game Especially if you listen to our episode last week, you know, me and Manny did not think the Rams were going to win this one because the Bucks defense had been playing really well and Tampa Bay just has so many weapons on offense. We didn't know that the Rams offense could necessarily keep up because efficiency has kind of been a little bit of an issue offensively speaking, but Rams offense really showed up aside from a few little miscues here and there. It was a really fun game to watch. Um, I don't know how you felt towards the end but for me my first thought when I just think about this game in in general is we gave the ball back to Tom Brady with over two minutes left and a chance to tie the game or win the game and that seriously worried me Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what your big takeaway was from Mm -hmm. this one
1: no Nick I mean listen it's quite simple right I mean Last week, I think we both both agreed that we thought the offense would have to carry this team in order to get the W. I truly feel that it was the defense. So for them making Tom Brady pass over 48 times, I mean, listen, we saw where the Bucs struggle, right? If you stop their running game and you make Tom Brady throw over that amount of times, you have a great chance of winning. The issue was our offense giving them back the football, whether it be, you know, interceptions by golf whether it be running, again, we're going to be talking about the same things, right? I mean, last pod, we talked about all these screen passes on third down, these swing runs on third and short, that it's quite obvious that once you tried it once or twice, you know, you would think that McVay would go to something different, but no, he is who he is, and he's going to keep running that type of play, right? So, um, again, you made Tom Brady throw 48 times. That, to me, right there, if you would have told me that stat alone, I would have said, well, the Rams have a great chance of winning, but as we saw in the fourth quarter, it just felt like the offense literally didn't want to hold the ball anymore. And wow, what a great step up by the defense, man. Listen, um, it's it's already quite difficult to play against a Mike Evans and Antonio Brown or Gronkowski, a Tom Brady. But, you know, they gave up a couple quick drive scores here and there. But for the most part, they were stout. They were very smart on defense. I thought maybe, though, one issue was maybe tackling per se, right? I mean, there were a couple of plays where I thought that that the Bucs could have had a third down play or, you know, at least a third and goal. And they and, you know, and they end up scoring because of bad tackling. But man, kudos to this Rams defense. Once again, back to back weeks where I thought they stepped up big. And again, this offense, though, right. It's that third down, you know, short passing screen, which, listen, it's the double edged sword, right, Nick? You know, right before the half, you run a screenplay to Robert Woods and he runs forty five something yards and all of a sudden you're a field goal range and you're you know, you're feeling great. But then in the third quarter you kind of do the same thing, but yet the blocking's not there. The guy gets stopped five yards behind the line of scrimmage, and then you also run it on third and ten or third and plus yardage, and it's like, damn, like you want to see something more than that. But there you go.
0: Yeah, the uh that one third third down screen to Robert Woods before the half. I was happy that that worked, but at the same time, I was kind of pissed because I was like, "Well, that just means Sean's gonna keep calling these plays because <laughs> that was that was all he needed was a confidence ding, ding, ding. boost." Oh,
1: there we go, gonna use it yeah. again in the game.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, "See, it works. We're gonna keep going to it." So that one time it worked, but the other times in the game, it really wasn't effective. And on one of the screen plays, golfed through a really bad interception. So. I guess the identity for this offense is we're going to live and die on third down and kind of live and die by these screens because the first couple downs, I don't really have any issues. I I wish we would run the ball maybe a little bit better. Um, But I guess when it comes to third down, I, I, my opinion is we're just going to have to live and die on third down. And Mm -hmm. if we can convert them, great. I think we have a really stellar offense. If not, I think that's really going to hurt us. But, Like you said, this defense is playing phenomenal. This is a Super Bowl caliber defense. This win puts us back on top of the NFC West, and we are the number two seed in the conference, which again, this year with the new playoff rules, we don't get a a first round bye with that two seed. If we do hold on to it, the two seed still has to play. Um, Uh, this in this new format so we're not going to get a first round buy or anything as of now but still being the number two seed is ideal Uh, we're seven and three now back-to-back really good games against seattle and tampa bay which we could all agree are very good teams certainly much better than the nfc east teams we were beating up on it was also on the road tampa bay was held to just 251 total yards which when you run through that Tampa offense, and you have names like Tom Brady, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, Cameron Brate, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, that's, you could argue that's like an NFC Pro Bowl team right there, and what we did to them, I'd say very, very impressive. So, a couple things we'll talk about, obviously, the first one that everyone wants to talk about is going to be Aaron Donald, especially because... As far as I can recall, this was the third meeting that Aaron Donald has had against Tom Brady. And still, even after this game, he's he's never sacked Tom Brady. But uh, even though it was a quiet game for Donald, and it was quiet, like really quiet. He he didn't have a tackle. He didn't have a sack. He didn't have a QB hit. He really, on the stat sheet, didn't show up. But we we've seen now that he doesn't have to make an impact on the stat sheet. He still has a huge impact on this defense and on the game, because I think we've all seen, and I'm sure you saw Manny every, every snap of the ball, he's getting double or triple teamed, Mm -hmm. or he's just causing havoc somewhere on the field, on that line and making an impact there.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's, it's quite simple and it's, and it's the other point of Aaron Donald's game that I think a lot of people miss. Right. I mean, you know when you see Aaron Donald play you know you're expecting you know sacks behind the line of scrimmage you're expecting sacks by him you're expecting big time plays man but even the great ones for a full 60 minutes can get double teams sometimes triple teams but when the rest of your teammates on the line and the defense behind you is creating the plays um you know and it's creating impactful plays like getting stops on third down creating interceptions um sacks uh tackle for losses like those are the little things that people never really see that Aaron Donald does. And it's just those little things that sometimes that go a long way. So, you know, he's not going to appear great on this, on this, you know, on this game stat sheet, but man, to only give up 251 total yards to a team where you guys just, you just said the names, right. It's an embassy pro bowl roster or that question. I had totally forgot about Leonard Fournette. I talked about Chris Godwin. I mean, these guys have been to the pro bowl already for once in their career. So, you know, Aaron Donald may not be on the sad seat, you know, for games like this, man, but it's the impact that he creates throughout the whole game where the offensive line, they know where he's at and they got to be able to put sometimes a second man, sometimes a third guy out there. And it's what creates so much greatness in the what happens behind Aaron Donald. You know, You know, like, let's just talk about real quick about Jalen Ramsey, man. Listen, whatever you want to say, it creates such a boost of confidence when you have a guy that can shut down one side of a, one side of the field or follow the other team's best wideout. But when Aaron Donald is getting double-teamed and triple-teamed, bro, your guys up front should be feasting, absolute feasting. So, you know, sometimes that that to me personally gets lost in a, in a performance like this, you know, because to me it's not always about the stat when it comes to the D linemen, right? I mean, it's, it's all about... How else did the defense play throughout the game, especially the other positions? Because you want your linebackers and your secondary. If I'm Aaron Donald, right, Nick, and if I'm getting triple coverage and double team every single snap, I'm expecting my teammates to carry the slack, right? Because now I'm creating more havoc and having more guys come at me. What are you guys doing back there, right? So that's the way that I see it.
0: Yeah. And this was the first time the Rams have beaten Tom Brady since 2001, which that stat is crazy on multiple levels. The fact that he's been in the league since 2001 and still playing is crazy. Uh, But yeah, first time the Rams have beaten Tom Brady since 2001. Uh, I think what people are going to have to start realizing, because I think as a whole, nationally speaking, a lot of people still don't take the Rams as a franchise, as an organization seriously. And Every time they play the Rams, they always think to themselves, well, we it's just Aaron Donald and he's overrated and it's not really that big of a deal. But now you have to contend with guys like Jalen Ramsey. People are starting to learn the, the names of Darius Williams, John Johnson. Like these these names are starting to come to the forefront, forefront more for this team because they're balling out. They're doing really well. Uh, so. What about,
1: listen, what about a Troy Hill, man? He missed a couple of tackles there in the beginning, but then he came up big in those, um, in that fourth down stop. He also had another third down key tackle. Like those are things that you'd want your, you know, your other guys, you know, listen, we know all about Darius Williams, right? Like, like, all of a sudden, he's being moved all over the field. We know about Jalen Ramsey, man. But how about Jordan Fuller? And if you look at this defense, like these guys, Troy Hill, J- Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams, Jordan Fuller, John Johnson, these guys either had the most tackles for the game or tied for the most, okay? Even Sans, uh, even Samson um, – how do you pronounce his name? Ibukum, uh, yeah. Ibukum had a great, great tackle and sack behind the line of scrimmage in the third quarter or, or, or maybe happened in the fourth. Like, listen, we know about Leonard Floyd, and Leonard Floyd, listen, he's had an impactful season, right? I mean, listen, he only had two assisted tackles, but the way that he was able to stop the run on his side every single time, like, at some point, Ronald Jones was going to create creases, right? At some point, it's Leonard Fournette, for God's sakes. Like, the man has legs as freaking locks, right? So, at some point, these guys are going to create yardage. But for these guys up front, man, and for that back end to make sure that, listen, besides I'm trying to think of any big plays that happened down the field. Maybe there were one or two, and those plays only happened towards you know in the beginning because of missed tackles for scores. But this defense, man, they stepped up. Nick, they stepped up, man, and they did. They stepped up in ways that we've seen them fail, right? I mean, we've seen them have miscommunication. We see them, you know, sometimes not being able to cover the right guy, not being able to, you know, create plays in the backfield, man. But this defense is all coming together, man. And Staley has these guys. Playing with such confidence, man, that wow it it now makes me believe on this defense that going forward, whatever high powered offense they're you know they're going to be facing, sure the other team is going to score points, but it's about how many times can you stop them, how many times can you force them into three and outs and turnovers, and give your football back to your offense for them to give you know to give you more points.
0: Yeah, the. I can't think of any big plays off the top of my head, like big chunk plays. Mm -hmm. I will say two things on it though. One, I thought that officiating crew did a really bad job calling, (laughs) uh, especially Jalen Ramsey, because I thought, I thought both of those, uh, pass interference calls that they called on him. I thought they were bogus. Uh, and also, also that, play call at the end of the game where Tom Brady clearly fumbled the ball and they called it an incomplete pass. Mm -hmm. That pissed me off so much. I, if we would have lost that game because of that call, I'd have been furious and I would have hoped that they would have played that game under protest or, or something because that was clearly a fumble. It was literally the tuck rule all over again. Mm -hmm. I, I could not believe that they called that an incomplete pass. And I felt like the ESPN Monday night football crew made up a lot of excuses for Tom Brady and the the Bucs as a whole. I don't know why. Maybe some I heard someone say, you know, it was because Brian Greasy played with Tom Brady at one point, I think in college, and he's also Tom Brady. So obviously he's going to get some of the extra treatment. But uh, that whole situation, I wasn't a fan of how that was handled. Um, The other play that comes to mind that I wish had turned out a little bit different is and I'll give Mike Evans credit. He he played through the whole play and scored. But that play where he caught the touch he caught the ball, I think, at like the eight or nine yard
1: line. And nobody and could tackle ca- him, man. And it was Hill yeah. and Darius Williams, I believe. I think Hill was trying to get at least a, a, a freaking hand on him. And Darius Williams, I guess, was trying to punch out the football, man. But you guys got to be able to tackle better. Either either get him on the ground or push him out of bounds. But to be able to not to be to, for you not to be able to at least force him out of bounds. I mean, come on, that's just ridiculous. Like, that right there could have gone into a third-end goal. You know, like, the Bucks could have, ha- you know, have to kick a field goal. But those type of things cannot happen if you're playing in the NFL. And You know I mean? That's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I, like I said, I give Mike Evans credit. He played through the entire whistle, and that was a hell of an effort play. But at the same time, if you're Darius Williams, I appreciate you going for the ball. But if you go for it once and it doesn't come out, you need to start going for the guy at that point because your job at that point is to keep them from scoring. So I, I I understand what he was trying to do. He's trying to get the ball and create a turnover, which you like, but at some point you also have to realize, okay, it's not working. I got to do something else. Mm. So uh, those are just, you know, minor things. I can't be too upset about the way the defense played. They played phenomenal, just little gripes here and there. The one of the big concerns that I had last week going into this game was how the line was going to hold up with Andrew Whitworth being gone and Joe Noteboom, you know, just happened to be coming off the uh, you know injury report and and um, not even really playing left tackle. It was his first career start, but he played pretty well against guys like Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. We never heard Joe Noteboom's name called one time. I think they said his name one time because it was just like a game note. Like, hey, oh, by the way, Angie Whitworth isn't starting. Andrew or Joe Noteboom is. And after that, we never heard his name called again. He didn't miss any blocks. He didn't have any uh, penalties that I recall. Uh, He he played really well. So hopefully that wasn't a, a, you know, a fluke thing. And hopefully for the rest of this season and potentially into the playoffs, he can maintain that level. Because if you can play like that against JPP and Shaq Barrett, you can play against pretty much anybody. So if that's something we don't have to worry about, then that's phenomenal. Um, we kind of already touched on some of the second half and some of the late game uh, uh, you know, scenarios where we the Rams almost kind of gave the game away, but I also give the refs credit for that as well. Um, a lot of people, and you had mentioned this too, the play call when it was third and eight and they decided to go for just a run, was really weird I know I personally Didn't get that and I, I Don't know if that was an analytics thing Or if that was a gut thing Or what that was But I, I thought That was a little questionable Um,
1: The I'm, I'm trying to see I'm, I'm pretty sure there was A I remember I There I... being a third and five Or third and four and they tried a Swinging run play it was basically golf underneath center and he got the snap and whoever was coming across got the handoff swing um handoff or something or like something along those lines and that just it just got me absolute like berserk because if me you're gonna run that. So not only do you have to get five yards for the first down, Nick, but now when the time the ball gets handed off, he's two yards behind. So now you want this guy to, to run or this player to run seven yards. On a swing motion pass, knowing that this defense runs very well sideline to sideline, okay, giving a guy like, you know, White's in in, an instant reaction to a motion, which is going to draw him a couple steps towards that side. I just, I couldn't believe that call, you know. And if there's one thing that I wish this offense had, Nick, was a, you know, was a cook, a guy that can spread it out, just run deep and create that type of safety, knowing, okay, I, I got to be back. And that's what this team doesn't have. And that's why if Sean McVay relies so much on motions, so much on formation switches, so much on just drag plays, because he knows that, no offense, Cup and Woods, they're not going to run a 4-4, right, down the field. But they're going to be so elusive while crossing the field and being able to make plays after the catch, he has to get his guys in space. But when you run a third and five and you run a swinging, you know, handoff, I mean, damn, dude, like please. This is the NFL. You gotta be a little bit more creative than that.
0: Yeah, I just found it. The one that I was thinking of was the third and eight. It was from the twenty two yard line. Okay. Uh the Bucks twenty two yard line. It was that late in the fourth quarter one. And uh it was Malcolm Brown gained zero yards, and at the time it just seemed like a very, very odd call. Uh thankfully, Matt Gay
1: came in, made the field goal. Kudos to him, man. Big time field goal right there. I- I'll yeah. get the former team too.
0: Yeah. And Matt gay, um, came in and it's been, ki- I don't want to necessarily say revolving door. I guess it kind of has been cause we're on our third kicker. It's certainly been a question mark all season, but it looks like we may have actually found the guy. Uh, he did miss, uh, I believe it was one field goal or it was an extra point. I don't have the score sheet in front of me right now, but I know he did miss one kick, but Everything else, he was nails and every kickoff was a touchback, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, he came in and ha- by far it was the best kicking performance we've had all season. So hopefully, like we said with uh, Joe Noteboom, if we don't have to worry about left tackle and we don't have to worry about kicker, I mean, thank God, that's two less things that we, we would have to worry about. I mean, that, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, C- Cup and Woods, you mentioned it. Very strong performance. Got to give them a shout out. Uh, That was especially to start the game. The big
1: bucks, Nick. This is why you extended them because these are the go-to guys when your offense cannot run the football.
0: Yeah, and I thought at the th- by the end of the first quarter, I was like, Cooper Cups can have like 18 catches at the end of this game. Um, That didn't happen, but he still uh, he caught 11 for 145, and Woods actually had 12 for 130 and a touchdown. So. They, they showed up to play, and that was nice to see because I think for the most part this season, offensively speaking, we haven't seen one receiver step up and and make that, I don't know, claim to, hey, I'm the number one receiver on this team. I'm the best receiver on this team. It's kind of been wide receiver by committee, so it's good to see that both guys can step up when we need them to. It's, it's good to know that we've got two of those guys, mm-hmm. and I would make the argument that on the field that had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, we had the better receiving crew on the field Monday night. So pretty awesome. Uh, I think we've already seen that so far this season, the Rams can win the ball or win the, win the game in a variety of ways. And I think the biggest takeaway that everyone had at the end of this game was Sean McVay now in his career is something like 32 or 33-0 and 0 when leading at halftime. So it seems like if we can win the first half, the way this defense is playing, that's like our recipe right there. Like just get get the lead in the first half, let Brandon Staley and the defense cook up their stuff at halftime, and then they come out and they just ball and we get the win. Whether it's by three points, seven points, 14, whatever. A win's a win, and it looks like we can win in different ways. We've seen it every kind of way so far this season I still don't know offensively speaking what our identity is necessarily but I'm confident in saying that we can win multiple different ways so I don't know your thoughts on that as far as just winning games and the identity of the team I think Mm -hmm. we know the defense is phenomenal but offensively speaking I I guess of the our identity is just kind of Week to week, it's kind of just you know whoever we're playing, we'll do what we can and, and we'll get the win. However,
1: no, Nick, I I think you said it best, right? I mean, we've seen this team you know be down by multiple scores and come back. We've seen them run the football for over 135 yards and win. We've seen them not being able to run the ball and still be able to control a game against you know one of the best teams in the national football league and the Buccaneers. Right. So, you know, you saw them against Russell Wilson. Um, You know, listen, there are games though, obviously with the dolphins, there's game. Well, you know what particular in that dolphin game, listen, your defense played well. Okay. And your offense, I thought moved the ball well enough to win. It was just so small. Well, not really small, just stupid mistakes. Right. you know play yeah they just
0: gave play. that one away they basically yeah.
1: gave up a game away right yeah. and then and then when you look at the Niners game unfortunately the game plan was just horrific it was just absolute trash I mean you know on both sides right I mean you know the the defense had of yet um you know come into its own yet and the offense just looked like once again you know Sean McVay was just trying to be very arrogant and just wanted to do do the way that he's been doing things and obviously you know he's changed a little bit but we know that he's going to still run his plays the way he wants to and listen you know you can't fault a coach for that okay you know you you know he's here this team is in a great position right now to keep it going keep the momentum going and you know this team can win in so many ways like you said and I guess the whole thing I want this team to work on though listen it's quite clear that this defense is like you said it is a championship winning defense without question when they play to their standards okay when they play up to their level that we've seen that they could the question i have is can this offense when the time is needed when you're up by one possession and there's five six minutes left on the clock we need them to please get first downs run the clock move the football we don't need interceptions. We don't need dumb play calling. We don't need dub penalties. That right there to me, if they could somehow figure out a way to create a package, and I know Sean McVay could do this because he's an offensive mind head coach, he needs to find ways when the game, to seal the game, to put it away out of harm's reach, to crush your opponent even harder, figure out a way that in the fourth quarter, Figure out plays that get your offense moving the football, and it doesn't require your defense to go back out there in multiple possessions and face a guy like Tom Brady, or face a guy like a Patrick Mahomes, or face a guy. Well, I was gonna say Lamar Jackson, but his offense right now is looking like they can't even stop water, right, right, right. Uh, you no, know, but you know what I mean, right? Get out there and not give a you know, a high-quality caliber quarterback and offense, multiple possessions, just because you decided to be arrogant, right? So that's what I'm hoping for. And you know what? If things happen the way that they've been happening, and they can fix this one thing that I just mentioned, oh, boy. Man, I I really don't see where this team can literally just fall to the ground so fast unless they themselves hurt themselves, right? I mean, do you see it that way?
0: I... I, like I said, I don't know, offensively speaking, what our identity is. And maybe, maybe that is our identity. Maybe yeah, our identity not knowing is, the identity. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. We're just kind of a chameleon style offense. And every week it's going to be something different. It's going to be somebody different. We've had, we've seen Daryl Henderson have monster games and we get wins. We've seen uh, Malcolm Brown have monster games and we get wins uh, we've we've obviously seen Cooper Cup and Robert Woods have have monster games, and we get wins. So this this team offensively doesn't rely on any one person in particular. It it just kind of it's like a week by week thing. It just kind of we see what it is when we see it. We don't really we don't know going into this game that Daryl Henderson's gonna get twenty touches, that Cooper Cup's gonna get ten catches. We don't know. We have no idea. Mm. Um, and maybe that's kind of some of the frustration as Rams fans is we we don't know what to expect. So it's kind of yeah. frustrating. And we've seen, like in this game, the Bucks game, there was some questionable play calling by McVay. And we did see in the second half Goff threw two interceptions. So we we've seen what can kind of lead to the downfall. It's a little it's questionable play calling and it's bad play by Goff. And also there was mixed in some poor ref judgment. But uh I think if we get that first half Jared Goff and we we lose those interceptions, take those off the board, this team is very very formidable. Uh I I do believe in Jared Goff. I do believe that if the time comes, I think he can make a play. I just don't know. I'm not convinced right now that Sean McVay will put him in that situation. I don't know if Sean McVay trust jared goff to make the play yeah
1: yeah um, and, and, and then also though nick when you kind of see his the the plays that happened, um you know how the interceptions occurred it's just one of them things that i feel like has been talked to goff about he's been coached about it it's just the way that he plays at that position man and you know you want you want to know that your quarterback can throw it away when he needs to you want to know that when he's not going to be able to make a play, take the sack, live another down. You don't need to force the football. And you know what I'm saying? All the only thing that we listen, we listen, the only way that I know we win is with Jared Goff. There's no other quarterback on that roster that I have confidence in and winning. It's just the little things that I feel like Goff just needs to, you know, understand and realize you can't be staring down a white, a, 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 your first target in the fourth quarter up by one possession against a defense like the Buccaneers and expect not to get hurt, right? I mean, that final interception, he was clearly staring down. I keep forgetting who who, who he was looking at. It was the third wide receiver from the right side. He was in the slot. And you can tell that, that the safety's reading his eyes. I mean, that's just quarterbacking one-on-one. You want to make, sh- make the safety look away. And he just stared him down. And those are plays that at his particular, um, you know, I guess, you know, listen... We all we we've all seen Carson Wentz, right? I mean, listen, me being the Eagles fan, I am mostly I'm hurt. I'm devastated. I just can't believe the type of plays that Carson Wentz is making right now because we've seen him do better. And you wouldn't expect the guy, which I believe him and golf, right? Came out came out in the same year, and this is their fourth year, correct? Uh yes. So Wentz is making rookie mistakes in his fourth year for 60 minutes, but golf tends to make them in the most crucial times in a football game that needs to change I don't know how but that needs to change
0: (laughs) yeah and like you already said it I think we've seen this year Jared Goff has a little bit of a problem staring receivers down that's a little bit of an issue and the reason I say I don't know if Sean will put him in that position is because some of the play calling just you know that's where it leads me I'm just trying to connect dots because some of these play calls on third down where we're running zone running plays on third and eight against the best rushing team in the league that you know and when we're running these screen plays on third down that you're not giving jared a chance to actually read the field make a throw it's just hey snap the ball throw it to cup as quickly as you can or woods as quickly as you can and hope the blocking's good i just feel like some of the play calling and stuff is is leading me to believe that Sean's telling us, like, hey, I don't yeah. know if Goff can make this play, so I'm kind of going to do it for him. So we'll see. Hopefully, you know, when the time comes, Goff steps up and Sean gives yeah. him the ability to make that play. Cause I think Goff can do it. Cause like you said, we've seen him do it before. Oh, I think sometimes absolutely. people forget that mm-hmm. the Rams outplayed Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs mm-hmm. that Monday night game uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and they won that game. And that was because Jared Goff had a phenomenal game and uh, we've seen him make plays. I mean, he's a, he's a good quarterback. So uh, hopefully we'll just, as the season goes along, we're kind of getting towards the, you know, stretch run here and hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll start to see that a little bit more where we'll maybe get some shot plays, some deep passes, um, a, a little, maybe a little bit more risky, I guess you could call it risky. So
1: We'll no, see. But, Nick, but Nick, but they're going to have to open it up, especially once you get, you know, into the playoffs. Like you can't be running a third and five screen every single time, man. I mean, you got to be able to move the football down the field. You got to be able to make this defense more vulnerable by you doing that time in and time again. It's quite simple. The defense knows if they win first and second down, basically third down, they already know what, what could be coming. So this has to somehow either spark something in golf or you know, listen, I I do know. Listen, we we are just fans, right? But we know deep down inside that that might be it, right? That you know, Sean just doesn't trust Jared Goff in those type of situations. But again, this is the NFL. At some point, you're gonna have to say, you know what? This is what it is. It's gonna have to be done. If it's not gonna be done, then I'm not gonna lose my job. I'm not the one that's not gonna get criticized. Okay, you are my guy. I didn't draft you. You were already here. I support you. I've done everything that I could in my power to make you one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I understand you took us to a Super Bowl appearance. We didn't win it. But the goal is to win championships. And if you cannot get it together on these type of money downs, which is third down, then, man, then, you know, I don't want to have that conversation. But you cannot win a championship running these type of plays on third down, Nick. You just cannot.
0: Yeah, it's it's gonna reach a point at some point where the defenses are gonna know. Yeah, exactly Nick, I'm what's sorry, coming.
1: I am not gonna be on. I'm not gonna be on the podcast with you discussing a playoff loss because we were three for twenty on third down. I'm not gonna do that, and I refuse that. And if that happens, well, dude, we got some serious issues, serious yeah. issues. Yeah, but you know what? Let's talk about happy times ahead, right? Yeah.
0: So, a <laughs> couple notes just about this one. Uh, before we move on. So there was a, I guess it was a big thing on Twitter and, and I guess the sports world the next morning, Tom Brady has kind of built up a reputation, I guess you could say of not being the most gracious loser. He's kind of snubbing opposing cornerbacks, uh, the post game handshakes and stuff like that. We saw it, uh, after the Super Bowl to Nick Foles, he, he dipped, he he was nowhere to be found, uh, he walked off the field again Monday night without shaking Goff's hand, and it looked even worse because the ESPN cameras were all over Goff at the end, and he was on the field just kind of like looking around, and and there was a couple Rams or Buccaneers defenders that came by and shook his hand and said hi and everything, but Tom Brady was nowhere to be seen, so... Some people take that as a, a big, uh, you know, a big negative, And some people were giving him a lot of crap for that. Some people excuse it. I, I don't know where you fall on this one, Manny, but it was definitely something that was trending on Twitter on Monday night after the game. And then the next yeah. morning, a lot of people were talking about it as well.
1: I mean, Nick, we've all played sports, man. And if there, if there's one thing that I, I've always remembered my little league soccer head coach always telling me, okay. Win or lose you always shake the hand of your opponent. Why? It's called competitiveness. It's called commitment. You are showing them respect. Yes, it sucks to lose. But at the end of the day, they are, you know, much better than you in that particular day. But that right there should give you the amount of respect for you to go and say, hey, great game. That should give you enough motivation to go out there the following day or the following season or following week to do better. But you walking off like that, I'm sorry, man. Like, I never really understood that. I understand you're upset. It's the heat of the moment, but I saw him congratulate Drew Brees a couple of weeks ago when he got definitely um you know humiliated on national television, okay? So what why what's the difference now? Why yeah, cuz it's, it's kind of off and it's not Drew Brees? Get yeah, out of it's here. It's kind of weird. That, it's yeah. kind of
0: weird that he does it with some people and and doesn't yeah. for for other people. That's the part that I think the whole not shaking hands thing, my my stance on that is I'm kind of with you, um, and I'm a very, very competitive person. I hate losing at checkers. I hate losing at softball. I hate losing at bowling. I don't care what I'm playing. It could be darts, football, whatever. I hate losing. I'm very, very competitive. But every time, I've always at the end been like, hey, man, good game, shake hands, mm-hmm. all that. So if I can do it, I know I'm not a professional athlete, but I know I'm a very competitive person and I'm a, I'm a sore loser. If I can do it at the end and still be man enough to be like, hey man, good game, I expect Tom Brady to do that too. So I feel like that that part of it, I, I feel like he he should be above that. The thing that irritates me, I guess the best way to put it, is the selectiveness about it. Like, why are you cool with Drew Brees, but you're not cool with Nick Foles? You're not cool with Jared Goff. Are you you trying to say that they're not on your level or like, what's the deal there? I don't get it because they beat you. They're NFL quarterbacks just like you. I mean, you should be able to say, hey, man, good game. It's not like you have to stand out there and like get his Instagram and like exchange (laughs) DMs and stuff. All you're doing is saying, hey, man, good game. Best of luck in the rest of the season. It's not hard. That's no. literally all they do at the end of the game. Best of luck. Good luck on the rest of the season. That's all they do. It's just not yeah. hard. So
1: yeah. yeah, but you know what, Nick, it's it's not it's not surprising when a superstar of that caliber, you know, he does it. I mean, listen, I've seen LeBron James do it countless times. Um, I never saw Kobe do it once. Um, I never saw who else have I seen throughout my lifetime? Um I watched Dan Marino the last couple of years and he never did that. You know they always like those those great ones have always shown an a tremendous amount of respect for their opponent, man. No matter who it's been, because at the end of the day, we are all human beings. We're all here trying to be competitive, but once again, when you're trying to be selective on who you shake hands with and who you don't, I mean that's right there. And as you said it best, is it because golf to you is not on your level, but Drew Brees is just like one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen besides yourself? Is that what you're trying to say? So. It, it, it's just it's just you know what it's it's just a bad sign to me once again that Tom Brady is just a sore loser man and, and I'm gonna go out and freaking say it when the Eagles won the Super Bowl the man literally walked off with Bill Belichick with confetti green confetti on his head not looking to you know shake hands with anyone but when he won his six championships you saw him looking for their opponents right oh where's Matt Ryan where's uh who, who else oh where's Donovan McNabb where's Kurt Warner right but if it happens to him the other way Nobody really says anything. I'm sorry. I have a really, really bad rap with this.
0: Yeah, it's 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 not a good look for a guy of his caliber and a guy of his stature. Who I think, at least in my opinion, is going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. Agreed. It's kind of a, a sour note to just have on your resume to be like, yeah, Tom Cor- Tom Brady, great quarterback, great clutch oh, can player. You,
1: can you imagine? All- in the, can you imagine if Russell Wilson ever did that? We don't expect that out of Russell Wilson, but if he ever did that, I mean, no offense the, me personally, I like, you know, he's always talking about sportsmanship and family first and how much his teammates mean to him and how much this game he's so appreciative of it. If I have ever witnessed Russell Wilson, not shaking an opponent's hand, then by God, like no offense. That's gonna shock the crap out of me. But I've seen Tom Brady do it before already, though. And that's the thing that irks me. Is like you listen, you're gonna go down as the greatest quarterback, just like you said. You should be panning the way for the future quarterbacks of this game to carry that torch. Okay? Not just for you to be pre-selective on who you say hi to or 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 buy after the game. It just sounds ridiculous to me. That's yeah, it. That's all I'll say about that. It's a weird
0: look to just <laughs> be really really great but be a poor sport. That's that's a bad look. So obviously if he cared he'd, he he would have changed by now. Obviously he just doesn't care, so it's not something that's going to change anytime soon. Um it is a little weird though that Tom Brady gets, you know, the favorable calls and also no one seems to really call him out on this. That's a little nope. suspect too. Uh cuz like you said, if that was pretty much anybody else, one of the first questions of the post-game press conference would have been hey, what's going on? How come you didn't, you know, what happened? But Tom Brady, no one really mentions it. No one brings it up. I mean, just think about what was it last week? I think it might have been this past week with the Titans and the Ravens. There was right. that whole dust, yeah. there was a whole dust up at the yeah. uh, center field logo and literally the first- with Jim
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and literally the first question in the press conference was, hey, what happened before the game? What was that out there in midfield? So, you know- it's weird that Tom Brady just kind of gets a pass on this. I, I don't know why, but yeah. Uh, The other thing I was going to mention is uh, most yards after catch since 2009. Number one and number two on that list. And this is for wide receivers, by the way. Number one and number two on that list are Cooper Cup with 955 and Robert Woods with 934. I did not think like if you gave me 10 guesses and, and, and gave me a chance. I don't know if I would have even thought of Cupper woods. I, I don't know why, but that's crazy to me that they're number one and number two, uh, number three on that list is Keenan Allen, number four, Chris Godwin, and then number five, Devonte Adams. So, and oh. the the margin is actually pretty significant. Number three is 779. And then number two, Robert Woods, 934. So that's a pretty significant margin. So, Cup and Woods, I don't people might not think of them as premier wide receivers in this league, but I'd say they are. And I I think the numbers kind of bear that out as well. I I just thought that I saw that note and I thought that was pretty wild.
1: Um, I mean, mean, listen, to have uh, guys like Coop and Woods who are on your team to be leading in yards since 2019, that's all good and great, man. But this only tells me one thing. The Rams have no running offense. (laughs)
0: well yeah last year especially with todd Gurley, our our running offense screaming at me right
1: now it's like damn like both of these guys nearly have a thousand yards in total (laughs) receiving i don't want to look at the running stats
0: (laughs) yeah no last year especially not good so uh we've already played the 49ers once this year we kind of know who they are I'm not going to spend a ton of time on on talking about them. Yeah. Obviously, it's a division opponent, so it's going to be a tough game. We already were caught off guard once. I don't think we're going to get caught off guard again. I, I think that coming into this game, this team is going to be a lot more prepared. And the 49ers are still, the, they're kind of the same team they were when we played them the last time. They're still really banged up. They're, they don't have a whole lot to play for at this point because their record isn't what they anyone thought it was going to be. They're not going to make a run for the playoffs. And so,
1: they've started to trade pieces as well. So that right there should tell you that, in a sense, they're trying to be sellers, not buyers, right?
0: Yeah. So I don't think the Rams are going to get caught off guard this time. I think they're going to know ahead of time what they're getting into. We saw last game, basically what they did was they exploited the Rams' defense not vertically, but kind of horizontally, basically sideline to sideline because every pass that they completed was behind the line of scrimmage. So they were just trying to space everybody out and play the speed game and the Rams weren't able to keep up. So I think this time they're going to be fully prepared for that. Unfortunately, going into this game, there's going to be a couple guys on the defensive side that aren't going to be available for the Rams because of some injuries Micah Kaiser isn't going to be available for a couple weeks with a knee injury. Uh, and uh Terrell Lewis with a knee is doubtful as well. So not going to have those guys out there. Don't know how much of an impact that's going to have. Um, surprisingly, Micah Kaiser's had a really good year. He proved he's proven me wrong. Um, he's had a really good year. So him not being out there could be an issue. We'll see. Um, Tyler Higbee is also going into the game as a game time decision. So we'll yeah. see how, you know, that make, has an effect on the game. But, as far as a a prediction goes or anything for this game, I do think the Rams win this one. And I know I said that the last time and I was really confident. Um, I'm equally as confident this time. I do think the Rams win this game. I don't think it's going to be that close. Mm -hmm. I just feel like this team is, uh, you know, way more set in their identity and who they are and what this team needs to do to win. And they've already played this offense before and they kind of know what to expect. So I don't think there's really a scenario where the Rams could lose this game. Not that it matters necessarily in 2020, the game is at home too. So the Rams aren't going to be traveling. So there is that too. Um, And while I'm on that note, kudos to the Rams for doing what they did so far this year with that hellacious travel schedule, because we touched on it before the season and we touched on it a couple of weeks ago, the travel schedule for the Rams this year has been uh, absolute hell. Uh, But thankfully, the rest of the way the Rams are not leaving the Pacific time zone. The Rams are playing all their games either at home or on the West coast. So mm-hmm. they've got uh, the Cardinals coming in. They've got the jets coming in. The Patriots are coming in and then all their other games are going to be either, like I said, either in California or, you know, Arizona. So
1: Arizona and Seattle, I believe are our, our final two games.
0: Yeah. So the traveling that they're going to do very minimal compared to what the, what they've been doing. So that's also another, you know, thing for us to look forward to, as far as keeping the momentum going and staying fresh and all that stuff, you got to figure that the guys are very happy about that.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, listen, you look at the front running of the schedule, right? At Buffalo, at Philadelphia, Washington, (laughs) I mean, Jesus, like, you know, you had those two weeks in back to back, right? With um, between Philly and Buffalo. And then you, you played, I guess what, one game out West, and then you have to go right back out to Washington. But listen, in this particular game against the Niners, we know what they're going to do, right? We know what they can do um, with the limit amount of, of, of players that they have. So, listen, this Rams team is not the Eagles. Listen, the Eagles saw what the Giants did to them, right? And what happens two weeks afterwards, including a bye, they had absolutely no idea how to stop where they were first shown. This, to me, this is just not going to be the same at all. Um, I Listen, this defense is just like you said. It now has an identity, right? So that confidence, along with the win that you just had against Tom Brady, that, to me, is going to carry, um, you know, the whole thing to me is how does this offense perform for 60 minutes? I'm not talking about two quarters. I'm not talking about three quarters. I just want to see an offensive game plan that moves the football, puts points on the board, and just doesn't make Jared Goff just, you know, go out there and try to swing it every time he can. And, you know, is Sean McVay, like, what is Sean McVay going to do, right? I mean, we thought he was going to do one thing the first time they met, just run the football. And you were successful at it, but you still wanted to be arrogant and do those little you know, gimmick plays here and there. And obviously towards the end of the game against the Niners, that bit you in the rear end and you couldn't win that game anymore. But once again, you, you've you seen these guys already on tape. You played them once. You're now at home. Your defense is playing at such an elite level. Just go out there and just do what you do best, okay? You can't run the ball? That's fine. You've had games where you can't run the ball. Just go out there and sling it. Give Jared Goffs, you know. Listen, if you want to play gun, I'm fine with that. What what just can happen is those you know third and shorts and whatnot that you try to throw a screen passes or Jared Goff just not looking away the safety like that's all football. One on run, I'm right, Nick. I mean that's just smart football. Or that's just logical football. So you know what I I see this game. Just you know I was confident the first time. I know they didn't win it the first time, but I feel really confident now saying it. I think the Rams end this game winning probably by double digits um i'm not gonna give a score because every time i do give a score it doesn't end up well for me so i'm just gonna say that we're gonna win by double digits and that the defense is gonna shut it down and that the offense is gonna score points
0: yeah and uh the guys in vegas also think that this game isn't gonna be that close either because it
1: it shouldn't be close it shouldn't it
0: shouldn't be. be it shouldn't be the the rams are six and a half point favorites Which and and that's at minus one ten odds. I feel like that's a pretty safe bet, honestly. And then the over under is set at forty four and a half, which I feel like is pretty low. I feel like, and again, that's at minus one ten. So I feel like that's a pretty easy over too. Um, I feel like that both these teams could put up more than forty five, but who knows? Um, I I think next week when we talk, we'll have uh, a lot of good things to talk about. I think the Rams are going to keep on keeping on, and I think we're going to get another W in the books. But we'll see. Uh, anything you wanted to hit on before we left, Manny?
1: No, um, I just hope um, every Rams fan and everyone who hears this pod had a great Thanksgiving. Be very grateful for the things you have, not for the things you don't. And um, you know what? Listen, um, it's quite clear that the situation, are, you know, especially in this country, is not getting any better. Please, guys, be smart. Don't be dumb. Keep your masks on. And when I say keep your masks on, not underneath your nose, please. Okay, we, we, it's, 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 it's about time that this whole nation, as a whole, start to come together and realize that if we don't fix this right now, we might not be able to come back to our normal lives for quite some time, man. And I want to go out to travel to, to you know, to LA to watch the Rams. I know Nick wants to do that. Shit. Excuse my language. I just cursed. I was supposed to go see them in Tampa this past week. Yeah, it's just one of them things that. Listen, guy, let's be much better about this, okay? Listen, we, I have a daughter. We all have family. We all have kids. Let's try to make this a much better try at this, okay? Because what's whatever we're doing right now, it's quite clear that we're not getting it, okay? And I I hate to say it, when I watch a football game, and I see that a stadium has a capacity over seventy thousand. And it's only up to 15 or 20 because we're, you know, there's certain idiots around this place that just don't know how to follow simple directions. That just mind bottles me. So let's get it together. And like I said, be thankful for the things you have not for the things you don't.
0: Yeah. And hopefully we're recording this on black Friday. So hopefully if you wanted something, hopefully you (laughs) found a good deal on it.
1: Listen, I'm hoping that you wasn't that idiot standing in the line overnight for a PS5 with a bunch of people not wearing masks. I'm just saying, man, it's not worth getting this stuff for a PS5. I'm sorry.
0: No, I, uh, I, some point in my future, I will get a PS5, but, uh, right now, not really high on my priority list. Uh, I'm, I'm good to go on that. I can hold out a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think, uh, this year, especially if you're gonna do Black Friday shopping, I don't, You might as well just do it online. I don't know what the point is to be going out and all that stuff. But anyway, we appreciate you guys listening as always. And hopefully next week when we come back, we'll be talking about another W and we can just keep this train moving and we can probably sneak up on some people and make another Super Bowl run. We'll see. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Take care. We'll talk to you next time.